I am beyond excited to be partnering with Taste of London, the city's biggest and best food and drink festival for this special four-part series. Bringing together some of the best restaurants, bars and superstar chefs of London for five days of feasting in Regent's Park, you get up close and personal some of your favourites at wonderful immersive experiences such as the Diners Club Cook School, Fire Pit with Food Network and a whole host of masterclasses, wine tastings and so much more. So, what's stopping you? Book your tickets for the festival, which is on from the 15th to the 19th of June, and you may even get a chance to see yours truly. Use my code SEXYFOOD to get a complimentary premium bottled cocktail from Tails with every ticket. Book now at tasteoflondon.com. Hello and welcome to the Crazy Sexy Food Podcast. I'm your host, Hannah Harley-Young. This podcast is all about the love of food and how it plays a part in our lives. I sit down with well-known personalities, food experts, chefs and people who just love their food to find out all about their life, career and their favourite tastes along the way. Today I'm joined by Edson Diaz-Fuentes and Natalie Fury, the couple behind the delicious and most importantly authentic Mexican restaurants Santo Remedio meaning Holy Remedy, a popular Mexican saying. Santo Remedio's ethos is all about bringing the traditional varied flavors of Mexico to our plates. Based on typical taquerias and cafes, Edson and Natalie are successfully bringing real Mexican culture to the London food scene with some much needed tequila on the side too. As a huge Mexican food fanatic, this is going to be a very passionate conversation. Edson and Natalie, welcome to Crazy Sexy Food. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> I always feel like people are like listen to their little like bit about themselves and they're like, oh God, this is a little like, people always never, never feel comfortable hearing like wonderful things about themselves. <laughs> I could see you both like looking away like, oh. Anyway, how are you? How are we both? Very well, thank you. Yeah. Good, and great. I always start my conversations with asking, what did you have for breakfast? I know they're actually sitting in front of me right now, but can you explain to the listeners what you guys are eating? Particular today, <laughs> Natalie was preparing porridge in the morning, but I couldn't finish mine because of a kid situation this morning. But um, normally, yeah, I would like to say tacos for breakfast, but no, it's more li- lighter, like yogurt, fruit and cereal. Would you, ha- you, you would have tacos for breakfast? What are you putting in them? Well, I guess that tacos is a way of living. Um, I like that. And we transform everything, you know, and put in a tortilla. So for us, um, could be scrambled eggs, could be meat, could be um, vegetables, mushrooms, you know. So yes, we can we can easily have tacos for breakfast. I mean, so could I. So <laughs> that's all right. We're good with that. So we're recording from above the cafe in Shoreditch. Um, and I have to say, it's actually my first time um, at the cafe uh, location. So I'm sorry about that. But the good news is that we are here to obviously talk about my favorite cuisine ever. So I hope that I've sort of regained your trust in all of this. Um, but sort of before we get into what you guys do and your relationship with taste, I want to take it back to your childhoods. So Edson, you were born in Mexico City. Natalie, you were in London. 
sort of take it in turns, but I sort of want you to explain your childhoods to me and in relation to food and sort of who was cooking, what was on the table, and if food sort of played an important role in your lives. Well, I just had my, my cookbook right next to me, and that's, it took me several months to write a few memories of my childhood, and it's just the smell, the sounds, because I think that the food we eat in Mexico is all about, um, it's kind of a, it's not only the fact that you walk on sidewalks or pavements and you smell the sizzling or, or the trompo or the tamales, it's also the fact that they make a sound. So it's all your senses are, you know, kind of, so you, you need to wake up to be in Mexico City. You cannot just <laughs> pretend you're wake up or commuting. So one of my, one of my first memories when I was um, in a kindergarten was actually going and um, wait for the tamales stand in the corner so I can get my tamales every Friday. And it was a disappointment when that lady wasn't, you know, wasn't there or we were quite late and, you know, the tamales were finished. But um, yeah, I think that I learned how to eat and, and the diversity of food, sweet, savory, vegetables, meat. And it was um, now I realized that how important it is to learn how to eat. And who was, was your mom the primary cook in your household? Yeah, yeah. And what sort of dishes was she making at home? Like what reminds you of being at home, sitting at the table or, or, with, or cooking with your mom? Well, I remember the most traditional mole every 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 year. You know, when I have uh, when I developed that, this taste for um, moles, the mole verde was one of my favorites. Another time with chicken, so it was kind of a, you know my birthday present, you know, for a special <laughs> meal after school. Um, and obviously my grandma, who had a lot of influence, and obviously being retired and having dedicated more time to do, to the kitchen, it was very interesting things. Um, Tortas called pambazos, which are um, bread deep in guajillo, adobo, and then slightly fried. So it's a little bit messy, you know, the bread turns, you know, red, um, smoky, and, and soft, and stuffed with sausages, or, well, in this case, yeah, um, chorizo, and potatoes, and lettuce, and a little bit of cream, and a little bit of cheese. You know, it's a perfect... Good grief, that sounds incredible. Sounds, I'm literally sounds really sitting good. here like... <laughs> yeah, so, um, yeah, that's, those are kind of my memories, you know, wow. from childhood. And how about yourself, Natalie? Well, my mother is Mexican and my father was English, so I grew up in London. Um, my mother would cook here quite international cuisine because I think when she grew up, it was her parents would go to work, her grandmother would cook, so she actually learned to cook. She's a brilliant cook, but learned to cook here with her friends from English school. So she would have a bit of Italian influence, Spanish influence, Indian influence, but not a particular cuisine. Yeah. Um, and I think when she came to England in the 80s, it was still quite hard to get things like olive oil and garlic to, mm. cook, to cook with. So I remember I grew up near Soho, going to the original Lena stores, um, in Soho to get things like olive oil and Amazing. garlic because I think she found the food that she first had here rather lacking yeah. in flavours um, and then but you know she was a brilliant cook and I would eat 
anything from fish pie, Sunday roast, all those sorts of things. Um, and then we'd go to Mexico and it was, you know, just amazing, all the food. Um, I'd go to taco stands with my grandfather. Um, it, my grandmother would be cooking, for me, it felt like all day, you know, whereas here we'd just, you know, go to school, have school, you know, pack lunch and dinner at, dinner at home. When we go to Mexico for the summer, I'd go with my grandmother to the market in the morning, see her choose all the food, and then it just felt like she was cooking all day. And the main meal would be at three o'clock, and it would be like a soup, like a you know pasta soup, for example, and then a main dish. And it just I just remember the the cultural difference of you know hours and hours of cooking and feeling like it was an eternity for lunch because it was at three o'clock that was the main meal, but but you know all the food was delicious, wonderful flavors. Um, I remember I really loved these. It's like very home style cooking, but like these almost like chicken burgers, but they weren't burgers, it was like shredded chicken um, coated in like a egg and Ooh. flour batter in a tomato, fresh tomato sauce that I used to love. Or sopa de fideo, which is like a very thin pasta soup where they fry like a vermicelli and then put it in a thin tomato soup. And what I would give for a bowl of um, that soup that my grandma. Well, I'd give for a bowl of a bowl of that soup too. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it was it was it was fascinating because yeah. it was I was sort of you know a bridge between these two worlds, and then there was no no Mexican produce here, then nothing. So on the morning that we'd fly back to London, my mother would go to the tortilleria, get a huge um, like two kilos of tortillas, spread them out on my grandmother's dining table to cool them down, and then bring them back in her suitcase and put them in the freezer. And then the only thing she, you could make with them after that, because they've been frozen, are like crispy roll tacos, which we actually have at the restaurant, the potato ones. And so they'd come out for special occasions when she, you know, was feeling nostalgic or homesick, and we'd have some crispy rolled chicken or potato tacos oh, every gosh, once in a so while. Delicious. And I mean, I know you mentioned that you didn't really have the ingredients here at that time when you were a kid. I assume there were no Mexican restaurants in London. Was there anything that resembled it somewhat i remember there was there still to this day is cafe pacifico in covent garden okay um but that was you know it wasn't trying to be authentic because yeah. it was sort of tex-mex yeah and that's and that's what it was yeah. you know it was very open that it was tex-mex fajitas all those sorts of things but i do remember when it was mexican mother's day which is different to british mother's day it's actually just passed my mother and her mexican friends going there for like a lunch celebration to celebrate themselves <laughs> and then I'd go along because I just would go to anything where food was involved um but yeah it was sort of fajitas and those sorts yeah, of things yeah, yeah. I think it was just so they could drink a few margaritas really <laughs> because I don't think they were really going because they felt the food would yeah would resemble uh, the cuisine at home absolutely I love the fact that you had sort of like this sort of two two-way experience food wise like you sort of had the Mexican influence a bit from your mum, but when you'd go back to Mexico, but you were still sort of brought up on like quite British. So was it all sort of like, I don't know, pies or, you know, pasta bakes and things like that and roast dinners and... Well, especially living in central London in Soho, yeah, I was you know, going to say. Going to stores, you know, at yeah. that age, and be able Italian. to choose. Italian, yeah. I mean, so. you were literally going to the best place possible. I was, I did, I mean, I did grow up so going lucky. to the best restaurants yeah. in, the, in the West End. Amazing. <laughs> which is probably what made me so greedy. And then sort of moving on a little bit, you guys met about 15 years ago in Mexico. So can you sort of explain how you met 
and then why you would decide to sort of move a romantic relationship into a business partnership as well because my parents are also uh, still married but also in business together and I always find it incredible that people can do that because I so see like the nuances of what it's like working with your partner which has its ups and downs obviously <laughs> how many how many podcast series do we have how many hours we got yeah. <laughs> where's the therapist so exactly <laughs> oh, I am your therapist too, <laughs> so kind of like you know whose idea was it to suddenly decide to go get into the food world and become and open up a restaurant I mean idea was mine okay definitely so it's all your fault It's all my fault. Exactly. It's all my fault. But also came from the cravings that we generally, you know, were like, oh, where should we go? You know, to, to, to fix the cravings for a, a really good cochinita pibil taco or um, um, a good barbacoa, you know, and, and with the British produce that I was, you know, I'm, I'm able to get from here, it was kind of a well, let's do it. If we cannot find it anywhere, let's do it ourselves. And that's how everything started, to be honest. And um, obviously the inspiration was we live in um, New York for a little bit and uh, we met a bunch of really cool and, and nice, you know, Mexican community, Mexican chefs at that time. So we were hanging out, you know, just because we were also, you know, and trying to find the best place for brunch, the best place, Chilaquiles place, the best place for tamales. And um, that I think that it inspired both of us and um, my background in hospitality after being in Mexico and, and, and it was kind of, okay, well, we need this, this and that. And jo Natalie just was great on the floor and we had no staff at the beginning, you know, like all, you know, like new restaurants, you know, we planned it because it was generally... Uh, it was a small place with uh, not a, a huge infrastructure and, and resources. So we just wanted to make the best Mexican food and drinks possible. And Natalie was on the floor. So I, I guess that she felt fascinated by, you know, by the ambience, you know, and it was completely different being the guest, you know, around the West End <laughs> and then just being able to, to run a place and, you know, hospitality really drags you and really attracts you mm -hmm. and sh should be a passion, you know, for those who dedicate our time to this. So it's really what, you know, I think that what happened. But yeah, we met in Tulum by the beach um, and then oh, we decided so to move here. <laughs> <laughs> and so were yeah. you just there on holiday? Were you there sort of seeing family on holiday as you normally would? Yes. Well, I was on holiday with my yeah. family and I just finished university and we met. We met because I, I used to live there, so it was like my weekend setting there. Nice. And then, but Natalie spent a couple of months in Mexico City, um, and then yeah, it's obviously more than that, more 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 than more than just met in Tulum. But yeah, we ended up marrying in Tulum years later, wow. in the same place with a lot of obviously with a bunch bunch of people from London, New York, and Mexico. Oh, how fabulous! Oh gosh, I'm li you're literally as you mentioned some of these places. I'm just like. I need to get back to Mexico very, very quickly. So I sort of bringing it back to the food. Let's talk about Mexican food. Um, and as I mentioned in the intro, like I'm a huge, huge fan of Mexican food. And I think as someone who has been born and raised in London her whole life and has had the opportunity to be able to go to Mexico a couple of times, um, I really think that Mexican food has evolved considerably over the years. You're both nodding your heads in agreement, which is great. I know we're on the right track. But I guess, you know, talk about the food that you guys are making and 
for people who may not understand Mexican food and see it as either Tex-Mex, which in my opinion is not proper Mexican food, I'm going to be controversial, um, you know, for people who might see it as, oh, it's too spicy for me, explain Mexican food, explain whether, you know, is it regional, how, how, what are sort of the nuances of this delicious cuisine? Well, to start with, Mexico is one of the most biodiverse countries in the world. So immediately that's going to be something that has a huge influence on, on the food, the complexities of the dishes, the ingredients. Um, and also, you know, if you go back into Mexico's history, um, you know, the Aztecs, the pre-Hispanic cultures were using things like cacao, avocado, corn. All those things have been, you know, there for many, many years and they're all you know, foods that we now consider superfoods, super healthy, really good for you. Chia um, seeds, amaranth. Chia you seeds. You guys were just amaranth. the OGs, really, weren't you? We were all just, like, following. <laughs> <laughs> you must look at, like, the times when, like, chia seeds became super popular. You were like, really? I've been, like, eating these for years. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and then, obviously, with um, the influence of the Spanish going to Mexico, that's when you have still to this day lots of spanish influence in the mm -hmm. cuisine you know olive oil garlic uh one of the most traditional christmas dishes you have in mexico city is a fish like a salted cod dish okay. um with olives capers parsley um cooked in tomato sauce which you could get in spain or mm. portugal it's also mm. really um traditional in portugal so it's a huge mix of influences um there were lebanese immigrants that went to mexico wow. um, and that meant that one of the most uh iconic tacos in mexico city the tacos al pastor um were originally from kind of the flatbreads from oh my gosh, from I the middle no east idea. and That's tacos al pastor is with pork instead of lamb but you know, going back to your comment on on the cuisine, I mean, it's it's a intangible world heritage cuisine, um, as denominated by UNESCO. All the regions have their own variations on their sauces, on their chilies. There's hundreds of types of corn, hundreds of types of chilies. I think people underestimate the complexity of the cuisine. You know, they'll see a salsa, but not know all the different types of chilies that go into it. Um, and the chili is really to enhance the flavor. You will go to any cafe or taqueria or home and there will be a house made you know very spicy sauce on the table but the chilies in the actual dish are to really lift the flavors mm. the the chilies and it'll be the the roasting of the garlic the tomatoes the onions and the chilies mixed together um different regions of course have their their way of cooking their salsas their moles um so hugely varied but edson is the one who cooks so i'll let him tell you more about the actual nuances of the of the flavors and the ingredients is i just wanted to give a bit of background and and much needed i didn't that's so interesting about some of the influences especially the lebanese i didn't have no idea fascinating yeah and sort of like what's your take on it all sort of as sort of the well as the cook um was it important to you when you were going to open up in london which as i said you know over the years has evolved as a place you know where we can find good Mexican food but I st I personally still think sometimes it's quite hard to come by especially near where I live um, I'm in West London um, I still struggle to find 
really good authentic Mexican food that's why I just need to basically come to you guys all the time it's fine um, but well, yeah, hope sort you of, can help us to find a site so we can go be, west that would be absolutely fabulous and I will do whatever I can please <laughs> so I can just walk there I'll be your best customer um, but sort of you know how important was it for you to really bring that over here and also did you have to adjust any of the tastes for that sort of British palate at all or have you sort of stuck to your guns well um, I think that the, the main thing for me is to do delicious food. Yeah. Um, and obviously, in terms of ingredients, we just need to use what we have. So, um, and that's also the reason of, my, of, of the cookbook called Ciudad de Mexico, because after being here for over 15 years, I've learned the hard way of, I've learned, of, I've been inspired by other ingredients so I can replicate the Mexican food I really like. That for me needs to be delicious. Now, yes, sometimes I add a few ingredients that are not necessarily authentic, um, or I remove ingredients that are very authentic just because they're not my taste. Like for example, a pasote. If I don't find it fresh, that that herb which is very strong, um, I don't use it because I don't really want to use the dry one. You know, mm-hmm. so I prefer to remove it. But um, if I get fresh a pasote in Mexico City or in Oaxaca, fresh tortilla, quesillo de Oaxaca, um, courgette flour and a pasote is delicious, you know, as a, as a quesadilla, in a quesadilla. So um, it has to be delicious. Um, it's not that oh, this is truly, truly, truly authentic because authenticity, to be honest, I mean, to be, to be in my opinion, to be authentic, you might need to use also the utensils, you know, that mm, my that my grandmother, you know, the proper salsa de molcajete or or um, probably other other utensils to, to reproduce some of the of the dishes, molino, which we don't have, to do the mole. Anyway, I think that um, it has to be delicious and yes we need to use ingredients that we have available and and it's sad to be honest, for example, that we are not allowed anymore to put our grasshoppers in our guacamole. I think that originally it was the intention was because we had we, we used to serve grasshoppers from Mexico in our first guacamole when we first opened in Rivington. Here. You did not really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and insects are, you know. Yeah. Um, so why why are you not allowed anymore? Well, the EU, EU regulations changed last year, so a lot of gray area. Okay. So basically, our supplier from Ealing, yeah. because after years, we have the need to source those ingredients locally, um, they were forced to close. So they were not legally allowed to oh. sell that anymore. So we don't have grasshoppers anymore. And we cannot import that from Mexico, which I think that 12 years ago, it was possible, but then became more, more difficult. Um, and were people quite... Like accepting of the grasshoppers. You know what? Yeah, I mean, we were kind of, uh, you know, one of the most Instagram dish, you know, when we first opened in Remington Street uh, and, and it became a, a thing. Why not? It wasn't the intention, <laughs> but um, it was, I mean, in Mexico we have, I mean, I love um, Oaxaca City. So every time we go to Oaxaca State and we spend some time in the city, um, it is normal to see from one place to another the street vendors with piles mm. of grasshoppers, one garlicky, one chili, one just salt, you know, and then you go to like like a packet of crisps or nuts 
you get your, 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 your little bag with grasshoppers and you eat them. So I just wanted to be, and for me, that is the food, you know, yeah. I wanted to bring yeah. to London. Yeah. And sadly, every year, in my opinion, gets more difficult. You know, now with Brexit, now yeah. with the challenges we're facing after pandemic, yeah. you know, the supply chain. Yeah. Like, uh, we don't have the same cheeses we used to have. We don't have those uh, ingredients. And, and yeah, I mean, I think that it's a combined effort between producers in Mexico, suppliers, you know, as well from here, and us transforming and respecting the ingredients so mm. people can really enjoy that. And, the, and, and, and as Natalie says, the chilies are used to enhance the flavor. Absolutely. And, um, I think, to be honest, I've been lucky so, to see the transition in the last... 15 years and I think that people really get what's Mexican food yeah. I cannot say that people does not know yeah mm -hmm. they, they are now you know can identify that and it's great because that means that it has been a collective effort from everyone you know Absolutely. people travels more to Mexico they really appreciate you know um, the mercados they really go to you know and meet the producers the people they really want to try different things so I think that this combined effort between us the restaurants here I think that we have inspired a lot of people to go to Mexico as well and to and to get the real the real Mexico and um, it's great it's changing mm. and there are ingredients we use that will be really key like the black beans will be cooked with avocado leaf which is a very particular way of cooking them in Mexico and people often comment even a simple thing like that that we have at the restaurant tastes really special mm. um, the pork belly tacos which is one of our most sold dishes is traditional cooking techniques with a salsa verde which you take one bite and if you close your eyes you think you're in Mexico City that's probably one of our most authentic in inverted commas dishes in terms of it being something that's literally the same as in Mexico City um, the potato flautas you know those are all sort of dishes we grew up eating and then things like the mole the way Edson has I would say adapted them is here he serves it with this really nice beef short rib in Mexico, you'd have it probably with chicken or turkey yeah. because obviously you want to use really nice produce. We've had barbacoa-style lamb chops on the wood fire grill before, um, which again is using you know really nice lamb, mm. British lamb with Me but with a Mexican marinade. You know the barbacoa marinade, our fish. We've got a whole butterfly fish and and the salsas are are again how you how you you would have in Mexico with a chiote or, or the green side with with the herbs and the parsley. Um, so I guess what's varied is probably sort of some of the presentation, some of the proteins, and also kind of having smaller dishes so people can share and try a bit of everything. You know, in Mexico, you'd have like a huge plate of mole with rice and beans maybe, and that would be your dish because it's so filling in a, in a restaurant perhaps, or you have snacks at a street stall. So we kind of want to combine a little bit of all of that mm. so you can have some of the regional dishes from the coast or, you know, from Yucatan. And we had a Mexican customer at the restaurant once that said he could eat more varied than if he was in Mexico because in Mexico oh, you'll go that. to of a restaurant yeah. for barbacoa tacos yeah. which yeah. is a slow cooked um, lamb or you'll go to a seafood restaurant for seafood tacos whereas here we just try and take a few of the best bits of, of everywhere and, and it is a regional cuisine you know going back to the original question so we'll have the uh, Baja style fish tacos we'll have the um, you know the, the pork carnitas tacos which are really iconic from Mexico City. We've had on, on the brunch menu before um, huevos motuleños, which is from the Yucatan Peninsula in Mexico. So all those different things from, you know, even our own travels around Mexico and Edson's travels around Mexico, it's kind of the best bits from all over the country. 
I think also um, something that I love about Mexican food, and I and people always ask me, especially on this podcast, you know, oh Hannah, what's your favorite cuisine? And I'm sort of like, you can't just expect me to answer with one like one cuisine. And I sort of have maybe like three top ones, but two of them is Mexican and Italian. And I find with both of these cuisines, you're very ingredient focused. You know, it's kind of like with the Italians, if you have very good tomatoes and good olive oil and bread, that's a really great substantial meal. And similar with like Mexico, it's like if we, if I can find really great avocados or some really great chilies and whatever else I can, I can create something. And I love that about Mexican cuisine that it's, although it's complex, there's also this like beautiful simplicity with the ingredients as well that really, I think especially nowadays, people are a lot more interested in like where their food is coming from or, you know, eating seasonally or whatever it might be. And I think that's, you sort of led the way with that from years before and now we're suddenly sort of catching on to that and I think that's really really important I want to ask you both what is your if you had to choose after I've just said oh I can't choose if you had to choose your favorite Mexican dish what would it be no that's impossible <laughs> <laughs> but to be honest I, I've mentioned that probably the pork carnitas tacos with salsa okay. verde is kind of I can yeah yeah if I need if I really need to choose yeah but it's Almost impossible. I know, it is. <laughs> it's such a horrible question. <laughs> I think from our restaurant at the moment, the tuna tostadas, I love. It's like raw tuna with smashed avocado, chipotle mayo. It's just every time I eat them, it it's like I enjoy it all over again as if it was the first time. I mean, I could literally eat them for breakfast, lunch and dinner. Do it. When, when, I went to, when we went to Cornwall last summer for a month, I came back and I had a bite of that one and I was like, oh my gosh, I think I've had withdrawal symptoms. Um, so yeah, that they, those are mine. The other is uh, the pig's ear tacos that Edson makes, Ooh. which um, are usually a special uh, on our menu. Um, but I remember when we first opened the first restaurant, like Edson mentioned, I hadn't worked in restaurants. So the intensity was something new for me. Um, and I just remember the end of our very first service where we'd been there, you know, for goodness knows how many hours um, with a queue out the door. I turned around and Edson had a plate of five pig's ear tacos with salsa verde. Because <laughs> he knows I'm greedy and I was hungry. And I was like, oh my goodness, I've gone to heaven. So, yes. And it was all worth it. Yes. <laughs> so, going back, sorry, yeah, Hannah, sorry, going back to your comments about the um, Italian food and Mexican food. Yes, you're right, ingredients. I would say that the Mexican food is a little bit um, more complex or elaborated the, the majority of you know all those dishes i mean uh, um but i love both cuisines and i've always think that there is a way to combine them and there is actually a restaurant one of my favorite restaurants in mexico city called rosetta from elena regadas which she combines beautiful pasta uh, she was trained here in london um wow. and imagine for those who loves really good pasta produce led cuisine um, as you said, the tomatoes, for example, but also the with la coche, so with la coche ravioli, or um, really good um, combination of keys, cheeses, you know, to to some applying that to. It's a combination of techniques, ingredients, and 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 produce. So, and also the Italian cuisine is also seen as regional here in London. 
because it's so diverse. We each neighborhood has a, an Italian restaurant, and they were allowed to diversify into regions and then, you know, push the Sicilian or, you know, um, mm. in Mexico it happens the same. So we have so many regions and, and I, I hope that the Mexican food turns into what the Italian cuisine has turned, which we will be able to offer regionalized cuisine mm. only okay. because yeah. I think that that will be really cool. And, you know, we can mm. please different palates. Um, <clears throat> but in the meantime, we are here to fix um, the craving for Mexican food. Thank you very much. <laughs> it would be rude not to talk about the other huge love of my life and probably one of the biggest exports from Mexico, which is tequila. <laughs> You're all like, you were, you were both like, what is she going to say? Um, <laughs> I mean, listen, I'll take it all. Um, I am probably one of the biggest margarita fans and makers in the world. And makers. Oh, yeah. Um, talk, let's have a little chat about tequila because, again, it's kind of same with the food. Um, tequila is now becoming, obviously, a hell of, hell of a lot more popular, but also it's being appreciated in the way that it should be, which is not uh, sort of the start of a drunken night where you make bad decisions and we're, we're shotting it. Um, we are now starting to sip it. We are starting to appreciate uh, different brands, different methods, whatever it might be, different flavors. Um, and I'm sort of teaching myself how to sip it as well, which is taking a little bit of time, but I've kind of got like the, I've kind of worked out my ratios of like ice cubes to tequila to a slight dash of lime or whatever. But sort of, you know, are you, are you big tequila fans first and foremost? You know what? It, it it comes and goes in the stages, but recently, <laughs> I focus on the mezcal okay. more than tequila. The reason I haven't mentioned that is because I can't drink mezcal. Why? Uh, because I'm I've got PTSD from the last time I drank it and I hallucinated. So I have, and it was actually in Mexico that I last drank mezcal. So it was quite a long time ago. You're looking at me very wow. confused. I don't know what happened to me, but I was at a drinks party, like a thing, and I 20 minutes of that whole night have gone. But all I remember is sort of floating for 20 minutes. I was absolutely off my head, and I haven't touched it since. I'm a bit nervous, and I've actually got a beautiful unopened bottle of Mezcal at home. So it's just sitting there, like, calling my name. <laughs> but for people that might not know, discuss mezcal as opposed to tequila because we all we all know what tequila is or maybe we don't i don't know well um mezcal is a very traditional spirit and it's made with agave not necessarily blue agave actually not blue, blue agave like the tequila um we have different varieties of um the agave plant different regions not only in oaxaca could be puebla could be guerrero could be different states and the main difference is it's roasted underground. So the flavor profile it develops is smokier or smoky. Um, that's the main difference, to be honest. So it's, it's all about the plant. It's, a, it's all about the terroir. It's all about the smoking process. And then obviously the distillation, which could vary from a copper pot to a clay pot. And that's where, you know, the maestros mezcaleros apply the art to produce beautiful beautiful bottles of, of mezcal. Are you a tequila or mezcal fan? Natalie's more tequila. 
Yes. Yes, my girl. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I definitely prefer tequila. Um, I do like mezcal in a cocktail because the smokiness, if you have it, like we'll have it with like a pineapple flavor cocktail or we've got a peach, uh, peach and mezcal cocktail, which is good because the fruitiness, I don't like really sweet drinks, yeah, so the same. fruitiness and the smokiness combine really well. So I've, I think if someone hasn't had mezcal, I definitely recommend having trying it first in a cocktail. But definitely I like sipping tequilas. You know, people, like you mentioned, always say, oh, I, don't, I can't drink tequila because I, you know, got really drunk and had a terrible hangover when I was a student and yeah. had shots. And I was like, well, <laughs> I don't not drink really nice white wine because yeah. when I was a student, I had a bottle of three pound white wine from the co-op <laughs> getting ready to go out to... It's like a rite of passage, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> you've, got, you've got to have a terrible hangover on tequila at some point and then you've also got to drink a cheap white wine. Or the cheap on, rosés. You know when you're a rose, student, oh. and it's the colour of Ribena. Yeah. And you've got the to understand that one. you've got to get it done. Get it done <laughs> and then you can learn from your mistakes. <laughs> But definitely sipping tequila is, you know, so nice, so smooth, you know, great flavor. And I think, like you said, it's, it's something that it would be a shame for people not to try. So yeah. I really encourage when people come to the restaurant, if they say they don't, uh, they don't like tequila, you know, getting them to try some of those sipping tequilas, the smoother tequilas. And, you know, it's like anything. It's like a really good whiskey or Absolutely. anything like that. I mean, there's very, very good quality tequilas where just a you know 25 mil shot can be 30 pounds and above mm. and you take one sip of that and it's it tastes delicious mm. you know and it's really smooth doesn't burn your throat great flavor um and that's obviously something that we want people to to experience at our restaurants as well you know so sort of the end of their meal um you know with their dessert um with with coffee having like a nice sipping tequila to kind of finish their meal and chat with their friends it's kind of like what you were saying as well, but like Italian cuisine, sort of, you know, you go to an Italian restaurant and when you finish your meal, they'll come and say in certain restaurants, would you like a limoncello? Would you like something? It, we want to get that normalcy in where, where you go to a really great Mexican place that you would then be offered tequila afterwards to sip or whatever, because I think it is still seen a bit as sort of like, yeah, let's get whatever, every French swear word I want to say but do you know what I mean like it'll be nice to get to that point I think we are I do I really I, definitely around like my friends uh we are appreciating it in a way that I didn't when I was 18 and I maybe that's an age thing I don't know but um I, I hope it continues yeah I hope, I hope too and um equally for the Mexican wine no I think Ooh, there are so many yes. so many things that we can highlight about the Mexican wine but yeah obviously the most you know representative drink is tequila yeah of course damn right so obviously we're sitting here we want to talk about taste of london um this year taste are celebrating 18 years which is just so incredible i'd like to know about your relationship with taste of london sort of how it began and sort of how you've enjoyed the festival over the years well our first daily special session was over six years ago i think and um, when we first set up Rivington Street restaurant and um, at that time I don't remember what were we cooking but this time we're going to cook well we're going to prepare tuna tostadas which oh, has been yes. a classic um, we haven't cooked in a long time the delicious barbacoa lamb cutlets and something talking about not being authentic which um, this taco is not a very traditional. 
It's taco de jaiba de concha suave, which is a soft shell crab taco, which, as I said, you know, is not normally the way to serve jaiba de concha suave in Mexico. Normally, soft shell is more in a soup, broth, caldo. So arroz a la tumbada. Arroz a la tumbada is kind of a broth, a mix of um, rice, tomato broth, spices, chilies, and seafood. Mm -hmm. So that's where, you know, I love that caldo. Um, or that broth. So soft shell crab serving a taco with um, dresses low, chipotle, no, jalapeno mayo, and um, and some pickles. That will be delicious. So you'll do so. Okay. So let me. So this is sort of like us getting our exclusive insight. And so you're, you're doing the tuna tostadas, the soft shell crab. And the lamb cutlets in barbacoa. Oh my gosh. Okay, I am so... I'm, you're going to be so bored of me by the end of that festival. I'm just going to be there at the front of the queue every single day. That's so exciting. And I guess, you know, talking about taste from when you were there six years ago, you know, how has it changed from those days? I mean, it's, it's become such a huge festival in terms of, like, people just finally realising that it's it's kind of like its own destination now you know come june this is where everyone goes to really just enjoy delicious food and sort of talk to me about your relationship with them and sort of how they promote such great you know london restaurants well it is great to know that we have been part of a third of their journey uh, with six years now and yeah i mean every year you know we we're really looking forward to participate there and to enjoy and to share you know with all the other restaurateurs and restaurants um what we think makes london you know a great city and a really good city to eat out absolutely and it's just a great atmosphere such yeah. a beautiful part of london you know when you've got a restaurant of course you can go out to restaurants as much as possible but it's nice to see people that you know from other restaurants, from the Absolutely. from the restaurant industry, just trying to bring the, the very best of their food. Um, a few years ago, we did a partnership uh, that, that Taste asked us to do with Laurent Perrier, where they had cooking demos of different cuisines and, and people tasting the food and being, being talked through the food. That was great because, you know, we really were able to talk to people about the food, about what they were eating, about the, the history, the culture. Mm. So that was really nice because, you know, people can understand a bit more about mm. the food because people come from all over the country to taste, like Absolutely. you said, to eat so much yeah. food. And I can also imagine it's lovely for like you, if you're sort of like all the time cooking, to be able to interact with some of your customers. You know, there could be people coming that come to your restaurants on a day-to-day -day basis, but to actually get to speak to people, now that we're also in, in real person, um, to kind of just have that dialogue and that conversation and, you know, just exactly what, touching on what you were saying, it's really important. Before we get on to the very famous quickfire questions that I always finish the conversations with, do you what are, what are specialities at home? When you're just chilling out, you're cooking at home, what are you making? I mean, Natalie does really good curries. Oh, okay. And I always cook Mexican. Good. But actually, I'm good at pasta. So <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm, yes, I'm, you I'm, like I'm, good pasta. I really like the simplicity of a good pasta, good lobby lol, and good parmesan. Our baby Cecilia loves Parmesan cheese. Perfect. So she's three. Yeah. She's three years old. She wants to eat the whole block of Parmesan cheese. You know, that was the first cheese I ever started eating was Parmesan. Yeah. I used to have Parmesan sandwiches. 
Right. My mum just couldn't put like wouldn't, I wouldn't eat anything else, so she just like like uh, shave parmesan bits and just put them into a sandwich. She will take the bread off and just eat the parmesan. <laughs> she thinks that's just sort of like the, the the casing. I love that. I love that. So let's do these quick fire questions. So I always ask my guests these. Okay. So we'll sort of go Natalie first and Edson. What is the craziest food you've ever eaten? Uh, scorpions when I was in Beijing. Oh, okay. I haven't had that answer before. Nice. Did you enjoy it? I don't know. <laughs> it was interesting. Yeah. It was interesting. That's a good answer. Um, I was also pregnant, so that was quite brave oh, because, um, yeah, your, your palate changes quite a lot. Yeah, when I can pregnant. imagine. Edson, what's the craziest food you've ever eaten? Well, to be honest, I have, I have had so many sorts of insects okay, in Mexico. Yeah. What I'm going to answer is not crazy, but the way it was done is delicious. Tripe. Yeah. Tripe tacos. Which a lot of people might say, hmm. But I love how these were done in Oaxaca City, in the okay. market. So Yeah, a lot of that... people say tripe. I just can't get on board with it. I, I'd love to be able to. Maybe if I try those ones. Because I have I'll tried tongue. Mind. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Ears. Eyeballs, everything, you know, in Mexico City, we don't waste anything. No, this absolutely. is low food and nose we to tail. literally yeah, nose to tail. Absolutely. I'm going to start with you on the next one, Edson. What has been your most memorable meal? Well, probably because it was a good celebration for us at that time. We have the chef's table at... Um, what's up the name? <laughs> I, know. I was going to say the same one, but I can't remember the name of the restaurant. Well, probably because it was a very special occasion with our son Sebastian that he became three years old. It was a last minute uh, booking and we were very lucky to have the chef's table um, at Arsac restaurant in San Sebastian. So Elena was there. Um, she cooked for us. And my son was his, his first experience in fine dining in the kitchen, inside the kitchen. And she, he was amazed and really well looked after. We had a couple of bottles of wine. So we had a really good time in a fine dining place where he was genuinely playing with his cars, do the drawings and enjoying really good seafood. And that's your answer as well, isn't it? Yes, it was definitely (laughs) very memorable. I'm still impressed to this day about how Edson managed to get Chef's Table at a Michelin star restaurant. Fabulous. Brownie points for you. Two days days notice. (laughs) It was also hilarious because my mum was like, what do you mean we're eating in the kitchen, not in the main restaurant? (laughs) And we're like, no, no, this means it's more special. Obviously, once we sat down, she was like, oh, okay, yes, this is very nice. But I just remember that was was quite funny because (laughs) (laughs) it was... um, And we just had an amazing meal and 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 the, but what also was amazing was that at the same time we were having our courses they did like a children's course oh, for him wow, which obviously was stripped back ingredients yeah. things that he could actually enjoy as well you yeah. know normally sometimes in a restaurant you're trying to think how quickly you can eat because the children are getting bored whereas it was such an experience where all the senses were captured that he sat through the whole three amazing. hours which i think he's never done in a restaurant before or since <laughs> but it, that just shows how special and magical the whole experience was. Totally. and the same the same i mean the answer is based in the fact that we really enjoy that dinner and the conversation and the way we engage with food what's generally you know beautiful and that could happen also in markets when we go to mexico mm-hmm. you know it's not it's not the fact that it, it was just that place it was it was the occasion but a meal needs to be it's not only what you eat is with who you are sharing and you know and all the setting so we were just 
generally drive through the experience which also markets and also can mm. cause into you know children mm. which is great because all the senses you know mm. are open and that's what i think we consider that as a really memorable meal absolutely my favorite snack of all time is a packet of crisps what is your favorite flavor of crisps and why natalie <laughs> i like the uh, thai chili so like the Walker's sensations. sensations. Okay. If I'm really, really, really hungry and I start to get hangry, as Edson can attest to, give me a bag of those and I'll and calm she's down. Happy. Edson? I don't like crisps. Oh, no, don't do this. You were doing so well. <laughs> <laughs> this was the start of a lovely Could friendship. Could we tortilla chips? Okay. Yeah, yeah well, okay, fine. Let's go with the, yeah. and the, and the Valentina crisps. Ah, well, yes, we're going back outside, you know, like... Primary school when yeah. you are starving and your mom there we collects go. There you. We go. There Back we go. on track. Yeah, <laughs> I was okay. about to leave early. <laughs> <laughs> well, that could be the chicharrones. The chicharrones, oh. which are um, um, in this particular case, were like flour, literally just fried, deep fried, but then with a lot of Valentina sauce, you know, on top and squeeze of lime juice. Okay. It was kind of a, the best snack before. Okay. I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> which is funny because it's a street, you know, there's, there's yeah, street yeah. vendors and they'll put loads of lime and chili on it, oh, even for the children. Fabulous. And that, that for children, it's completely norm normal to have these really spicy crisps in Mexico. Um, what food sums up happiness for you? <laughs> I I love food so much I can't think. I mean if, if I need if I need to highlight one ingredient could be a really a nice smoky pasilla de Oaxaca chili because I know that with that I can enhance the flavor of other dishes and the, the smokiness is just generally transport me back home. I love really good smoked salmon. Do you? That's an interesting answer. Which after talking about all these chilly, spicy things, but really, really nice. When you said sums up happiness, yeah. I think like really nice sourdough bread, avocado, smoked salmon. Okay. And a poached egg with some maybe nice chili oil. <laughs> nice. A bite of that and I think, oh, this is delicious. It's comforting. Comforting, yeah. but really nice, fresh ingredients. Okay. Final question, probably the most important. Actually, no, the crisps one was obviously the most important. <laughs> live to eat or eat to live? Live to eat. Live, live to, to eat. eat. <laughs> of course. And drink. And live to drink as well. I mean, listen, a lot of people have said eat to live. You know, people just have very different relationships with food. It, you know, it depends. And it's quite a philosophical question. So it yeah. really depends how you take it. But um, we're, we're all on board with the same answer there. Guys, thank you so, so much for giving me your time for this. I'm super excited to try all of those dishes at Taste. You're going to have some crazy cues, so be prepared. For anyone who doesn't know where to find you, where are you guys? Where can we follow you on social? Where can we come and eat your food? Well, we have our main restaurant in Tully Street, 152 Tully Street, um, and our, in London Bridge, and then our small cafe in Shoreditch, Great Eastern Street, 55 Great Eastern Street. And we, we both, in both locations, we serve um, tacos, tostadas, and we have bigger dishes in London Bridge. Um, and thank you very much, Hannah. Thank you, really guys. Good. And a taste Honestly. will be the daily special on the 
Sunday. 19. Sunday, 19. Okay, that's going to be Father's Day. Yay! So we'll see you there. Oh, no, I'm super excited, guys. Thank you so much. Thank if you. I had, Thank you. If I had some tequila, we'd be sipping it right now. Yes. We will. We will. Have. We will. <laughs> Bye, Cheers. guys. Until next time. Bye. Thank you for tuning in. If you love what you hear, please subscribe and review. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Crazy Sexy Food and check out the Crazy Sexy Food YouTube channel. Until next time. Bye.